I am I just I just operate totally differently I always have I've always been a very feeling person like I always go with my gut I always um, follow what feels right um, even if it doesn't make any sense so so yeah but I'll say the articulation of that has been has been recent and also honestly the full embracing of that because to operate from a feminine uh, like a, if we want like feminine energy lens is pretty countercultural, right? Like it's it's not the thing we're encouraged to do. I'm Julie Clare, and this is the podcast Creative at the Wheel. Artists and creative professionals thrive in unconventionality. They reinvent themselves and find their way through impossible situations. Here, we get to have deep dive conversations on their adventures. Let's jump in. Today, my guest is Sushila Ramachandran, and we're going to jump into creativity, divine feminine power, playing with uh, like a playground with paints, with voice, um, and awakenings. And I'm going to read uh, a little bit about um, Sushila so you get a sense of Sushila. Uh, Sushila Ramachandran awakens people through sound and play. She's also an intuitive guide multi-gifted artist, and the co-host of The Global Table at Revolutionary Woman. Her mission is to help purpose-driven souls committed to a better world awaken and embody their full power and self-expression. Sushila's angelic soul songs and playgrounds, Deep Work Disguised as Play, are the antidote for conscious, intuitive souls who feel scattered, uncertain, and hamster wheel busy. She currently resides in Vancouver, B.C., um, join, uh, you can join Sushila in expanding, um, all kinds of your vitality, wonder, and awe, um, and some of her offers you will learn more about at the end of our call. So welcome in Sushila. Hi. <laughs> well, where do we start? I, I want to just start by asking you right now, just to help people meet where you are. What would you say you do? Like, what, what are you bringing in? Like, where, where do you stand in the world with your work? What are you doing? Yeah, so what I'm really here to do is awaken people to their highest truth, to their deepest expression, to their greatest form of love in the world um, through, the, through sharing their gifts. Um, I am really able to see... Um, what people's potential are and, and help them to, to realize it um, and, and provide them with the tools and resources, the insights, the healing that they need so that they can bring forward their greatest gifts into the world. That's what I really do. I love it. And we're going to go more into that. And I, but that gives us a sense of where you're standing and how you invite people into the room and can I ask you, you know, what's the role of creativity in your life and maybe even who you were as a kid? Because you, you are making things mm -hmm. up, right? I mean, what I know of you. <laughs> 100%. I love your divine uh, feminine playground. I thought it was amazing. Thank Had a blast. You. Would like to do it again. Um, sure. And yeah, I'm just thinking, and we got to draw and you led us through some beautiful uh, short experiences with music and drawing, um, does all mm -hmm. my... Uh, 
you know, native land really. Uh, but mm. what about creativity? Were you the kid growing up reading books or drawing, playing the piano or climbing trees or? Yeah. So, you know, my parents used to joke that I could dance before I could walk. Um, so I, as a kid, I loved, I loved dancing. I loved singing. Um, and, and, and so I've always been a very creative soul. I used to write poetry, um, short stories. Um, but, but the one thing that really, at least what stands out the most for me as a, as a child was, was dancing. Cause I was always dancing. Um, and I would often like perform little skits or dances for my, my parents and my, and my family. So, um, so yeah, I was, I was a very, very creative kid. Um, I played, you know, played with our neighbors and we'd make up lots of games and, um, yeah. What else about my creativity? Did you have, pre- you did you have pressure? Cause you're in your early, you're like 33 now, right? Your early thirties. Yeah. Did you have pressure yeah. growing up to be like a doctor kind of thing? Or was it like, Hey, we're here to really go I, with Sushila and her dancing and her. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Um, so I, I consider myself very lucky considering, you know, like the culture I was brought up in. So my parents were, were really all about like, do what you want to do. Um, which in my culture is a bit of a rarity. Um, so I was really encouraged to just follow what really got me excited and what really lifted me up. I mean, there was the upbringing, I mean, there was definitely, um, expectation that you still did well in school. So that was still there. Um, but in terms of vocation, um, my you know, for my parents, it was really about like, what makes you happy? What do you want to do and and do that? And when you, what is the culture when you said, you know, my culture, that's unusual. What, what, what do you think of as your culture or your, your family? So, culture? I mean, yeah. So my ancestry is, um, I'm from, so my ancestry is South Indian and typically in the, the Indian culture, you know, like, you, you, you become a doc, like generally, you know, you, you go do the thing that brings you or perceived stability, right? Like the thing that, Mm. you know, brings you a lot of income because income equals a stable life. It include it, it equals a safe life. It includes, yeah. You know, like, so, um, that's when I talk about the culture, like, you know, being able to perform and, yeah, just honestly making, making good money. Cause I I think in India, like, you know, there is a lot of, a lot of poverty and a lot of hardship. And, and so for many people having the thought is that, you know, you get, you have a stable income and that will equate to a better quality of life, which in some ways is true, but is it, it isn't the full truth. It isn't the full picture. And you, you, yeah. And you were born in the Dubai. Where, where, where were you born? In yeah, I was. Bo- yeah, so I was born in Dubai. I was born in the Middle East. Um, I was. I I grew up there till. I, and then when I was six, um, my family immigrated to to Canada to Toronto. Um, and yeah, and I, I I've just I've I've 
just been living in Vancouver, BC for under a year, but most of my life was spent in Toronto, though I was born in the Middle East. And now you're doing all this and, um, you know, it's, I'm, I'm really interested. Some of us come to this creative work after, you know, having a really difficult experience and creativity mm-hmm. saves our butt. You know, we're, mm. I remember at 19 having that kind of experience where I was really not having a good time and sitting down on the floor and there happened to be paper there and starting to cut it up and making, making these pictures mm. that I felt, I still think of as having kind of saved my life on some mm. level. Uh, mm. um, certainly were, were a gift and I, I had them until they weren't holdable anymore. Um, but mm-hmm. would you say your life with creating and dancing and moving and bringing this together is a little bit more uninterrupted or did you, did, mm. was there something that took you a different direction between when you were a kid and where you are oh, now? Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, so it was really interesting. Um, so I think, so I think because the emphasis on schooling was so strong and academic performance, um, typically in our school systems, like creativity isn't really encouraged. Creativity is encouraged in a certain box in a certain way. Right. So art class is, you know, um, not something we have to particularly worry about or pay attention to. Right. Or same thing with Mm. music. Like these are all just like optional considered enrichments versus actually core, um, curriculum or, or core pieces to really building our academic career. Um, so I think that part of it was because of the desire to, or the need I felt to perform at school. Um, as I grew older, create, you know, my artistic capacity and which is one of the ways I express myself creatively was mm, not really tended to because I felt I had to, you know, really excel in math and science and, um, and English as an English, which was at least one outlet, uh, a, a creative outlet. It, it fostered the right way. Um, so it, it did my, my creative life definitely did get interrupted for sure because of, I think societal, um, pressures as well as like, also just still like as, as encouraging, <laughs> as my parents were, there was still the expectation that you did, you did well academically and, and in the world and in, and in that sense to do well in academics, it's, you know, where, where does the attention really go? How are you doing in math? How are you doing in science and how are you doing with reading and writing? Um, so in that way, I feel like, um, my creativity was definitely interrupted for sure. How did it come back in as a primary (laughs) relationship? Yeah. yeah. So it's really interesting. So I, um, so I was going down the path actually of, um, wanting to work in the sciences and in business and bring those two worlds together. Um, but I think, I think it, it kind of came back through, um, so when I was 16, I was introduced to the world of social justice and and just learning about some of the different issues that we have in the world. And I just remember feeling a fire of just wanting to contribute. So I started uh, creating fundraisers um, 
to raise money for various causes. And in these fundraisers, I would incorporate some some form of the arts. So whether it be like a visual display that creatively illustrates like what's going on in the world or working with um, like poets or musicians. So those are some small ways. It was still like for me, like a bit of an extracurricular thing. Um, But that was one way it started um, coming into my life. And that, but really I think where my creativity um, went through or, or became more centric was, so it was my final year of, uni- of university, you know, I was doing all the things, but I, I, I burned out and experienced depression for the first time. And after I became depressed, suddenly, you know, living my life to, um, to achieve these external, um, to external validation, because that's kind of what it was, um, no longer made sense to me. And so I then started embarking on a spiritual path where I remember literally, I think the first month or the second month on, you know, on my path, when I decided to explore the world of spirituality and inner healing, what I would repeat to myself that, that I'm thankful to the universe for helping me create a life full of joy and fulfillment, um, joy, fulfillment, and peace. And so those feelings started becoming the anchors in which I started making decisions. And through that pathway, I discovered my abilities as an intuitive healer, um, meaning that I, I have an extremely strong intuition that I can, you know, basically pick things up about other people without them having to tell me anything about themselves and then being able to help them shift their energy so that they're in alignment. So I did that for, for a while, but really I think the, the most recently and what was, I think the most pivotal, um, there were really two pivotal moments over the past two years that, has made creativity even more central to my life. One was, um, so I, I had accompanied my friend to a funeral. Um, and at the grave site, she was, she was re- like, she became really upset, which I, I, as someone who's personally experienced loss, I can, I can very much relate to. And, um, so I don't, I had this instinct to sing for her. Um, you know, so as a kid, I, I did choir and I was recognized in some ways for having a beautiful voice, but I never really thought to cultivate it. Nonetheless, so I, I stopped my friend in the middle of this gravesite. We really didn't know anybody there, um, which is why I came with her. Cause I was like, you're not going to this funeral alone with not knowing anyone. <laughs> um, and I started singing for her and as she received you know, my voice, she just at the end, at the end, when I was done, she just looked at me and she's like, Oh my God, Sushila, you have such an incredible voice. You need to, you need to share this with the world. Like you need to be on stage. You need to be recording an album. And I was just like, what? (laughs) I looked at her like, I was like, uh, you know, it just felt so left field from the path I was currently on. And, um, but it, it really stayed with me because she, you know, was surrounded by musicians. She was very familiar with the music industry. So I didn't take what she said lightly. And 
And a couple of months later, I found myself in a conference in Los Angeles. And um, I, through a very serendipitous series of events, found myself talking to two um, vocal coaches, celebrity vocal coaches. And um, I ended up singing for both of them. And they both, you know, were like, yes, Sheila, you have an incredible voice. It's definitely worth investing in and, and bringing more of it to the world. So I ended up working with them for six months. And just that journey of cultivating my voice and being recognized for my voice as a, as a singer. And then, then, you know, sharing more of my voice with my family and my friends and just getting so much, um, feet, positive feedback around the power of my voice and, and, and how transformative it is for people to receive it. That really ignited, reignited the, the creative flame. So that's, that's one piece. And, the other piece is like, I am, I am a natural community builder. I love bringing people together. I'm a connector. And, um, when, when COVID hit, I just had this instinct to bring together the women in my life, um, and to see how we can really support each other to elevate. And when I asked them, you know, like what would, um, really be supportive for you, all of them asked for play and given my background in, so I started planning events when I was like 16 because of all the fundraising work that I was doing, given my experience with event planning and then also my own artistic abilities, because I sing, I draw, I paint, I act, I've, I've, I've worked with all of that. I started creating these, um, these experiences that pull together um, create the creative expression as well as transformation because I'm, you know, like spirituality and personal growth has, has been a big part of my life over the past decade. And, uh, I started offering these experiences and everybody loved them. So I was like, okay, so there's something here. Um, so discovering these two, and, and noticing even my own, because my anchors in life are joy, peace, and fulfillment, noticing that I personally experience more joy, peace, and fulfillment when I sing and when I play, I just was like, okay, these have to become a bigger part of my life. And I just sort of have been and have been going for it. So, you know, being creativity centric, you know, in many ways, in many ways, I've, I would say I've always been very creative because I've always just like, when I see something, a problem I'd like to solve, or because that's what makes me an entrepreneur. Like I would, I was someone who would always just go and just make it happen. So, but in terms of the more artistic expression of my creativity, that's been, that's been more recent, but those I would say were like kind of the major igniting events around, around the, my creativity. And would you, it's so beautiful to listen to. Uh, I hear an organic process of something showing up and you following it, you know, like going to the conference and that serendipity mm -hmm. there and your voice and mm -hmm. six months with these people. And mm -hmm. what, you know, with people that feel like it's so much to do with the portfolio or, you know, how to invent mm -hmm. themselves as a person in the work world. I'm just curious, would you, were you having part-time jobs along the way? So it wasn't a huge tension or it has surviving, yeah. you know, paying the bills been, been a tension because so many people are in this situation. 
Yeah. So, I mean, for me, uh, yes, it was part-time work. Um, I, I also, you know, I also had a one-on-one, um, coaching practice as well. That was, that was paying my bills every month. So I did have a form of some form of stability, um, through, through this journey. So either it was part-time or it was through my business. So yeah. And it, did, does that, did it feel like you really were able then, um, to have some of the pressure off the creative moments, you know, like you could do it like this from the joy, like when your friends, when you asked them at the <laughs> beginning of COVID and it was all about, hey, they needed creative expression. You did that. Was it, is, has that been kind of a somewhat pure, you know, like unmonetized? Absolutely. It, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It was totally pure. Um, you know, it's, but it's always come yeah, it's always been pure because I I don't have the personally I don't have the capacity to do something that's not pure. Either I won't stick with it or I will self sabotage it in some way. Um, for me, it's like um, I have to do the thing that feels good, otherwise, in some way, I will destroy it. It's just I what I learned about myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you have what you had any myself. more tangles with the depression, or was that a um, yeah, I, I have, um, I think there was one, so the first episode was 2010, which was after university. And then I, I went through another period in 2012, because I think what had happened was like, I prematurely started, um, a business that I really wasn't ready for to, to build. And, and yet I had put so much of my sense of self-worth into that. So when things didn't work, I really took it to heart and was really down on myself. Plus that year was just really chaotic, like emotionally chaotic and difficult. Um, and then I think I went through an, and then my, then I went through a third episode um, shortly after my mother passed away. So that was, yeah. So I've, I've had a couple of meetings with, with depression. What was the, fir- what was the first business that wasn't timely? Oh, I was doing, um, what I wanted to, uh, basically it was like doing freelance event planning. Um, cause I, um, but, but it's so interesting, but I wasn't, I wasn't the person I needed to be to have that business go. And I actually don't love event planning. Like I'm good at it. I have skills in it. Um, but it wasn't really the thing that I was really meant to do, which is why I also don't think it really worked. Um, and it's interesting because over the past decade, I mean, I, I've done many different things that weren't the thing that was really meant for me, but it was a stepping stone, um, for me to really find what's, what was truly meant for me. See, I find that really exciting because I don't know any other way to do it. I, I mean, I, I do. I, I find it exciting. I think I always think we can't get enough of hearing about how how people have kind of found their way, bumped along um, into where mm-hmm. where they are when they find something that really sings and rings true. And um, mm-hmm. so, I really appreciate it. We could. Um, talk even more about that, but it, it's, I, I want to get to this point of, so there you are, right? You try different things. There isn't this total lineup. We mm-hmm. kind of get that you're somebody who needs that, right? To flourish. I 
Mm-hmm. I, I get it. I'm yeah. with you. Uh, not, not everybody is, um, perhaps requires it on that same level, but there are many of us who do, level. right? Yeah. Or uh, percentage, <laughs> yeah. like hundred percent or not. Um, but where, um, where would you say that, um, this idea of feminine power, is that really just, is that recent or is that, has that been something without the language there mm. for many years, this sense of yeah. being and the sense of doing, like being aware of the importance of being. Yeah. And, yeah. I think, I think articulating it as that has been fairly recent, um, possibly in the last two years actually, um, is where I've been able to voice it as that. But I think I've always kind of lived in a more feminine way. Um, you know, I've ever since I was a child, I always went with my feeling around things. It was just how I would just do things. I mean, yes, I had a lot of programming, which limited my, um, I think, my full authentic self-expression. Um, but... Um, but yeah, I would say the articulation of how, how, how I operate in the world. Cause I, I'm, I mean, I've, I am, I just, I just operate totally differently. I always have, I've always been a very feeling person. Like I always go with my gut. I always, um, follow what feels right. Um, even if it doesn't make any sense. So so yeah, but I'll say the articulation of that has been has been recent. And also, honestly, the full embracing of that cuz to operate from a feminine uh, like a if we want like feminine energy lens mm-hmm. is pretty countercultural. <laughs> right? Like it's it's not the thing we're encouraged to do. Like for example, um like my guides uh, which I consider my spiritual team, you know, we're like take two weeks off. Um, and I was like, what, (laughs) but I have so many things to do, (laughs) but I listened and there was real wisdom in taking those two weeks off because I, I actually received a lot of information that, and, and insight that I would, I could have missed had I just focused on the, the getting through the to-do list and, you know, checking all the boxes, which honestly is a, which is more of mainstream thinking. It's like, how much can we do? How much can we get done? And where is this moving forward? And what's the result? And what's the outcome? Um, which is not how, <laughs> which is not necessarily how the feminine flows. So, yeah. And here you are and you, you're you somewhat where you want to be. And we can talk about that more in a second. I have to ask you about your spiritual team. Mm-hmm. That this guidance, is this... Um, would you say it's nature? Would you say this is, um, yeah. What is um, it that's coming through? I mean, is that something that came out of, I'm just curious. Um, yeah. What, yeah. what, what um, that's about. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a really interesting, um, so, you know, our, our intuition is, is our sixth sense, right? Like it's that gut feeling that we have and we just, and it's, it's the, it's, it's, it's the must, I call it, it's our muscle that connects us to, um, universal knowledge and we all have it. It's just how much we, um, tap into it. And it's also, 
Also, but I think what's interesting about our intuition is I, I believe it's actually connected to our soul's development. So some of us may have access to more information because that's what we need to, you know, have our soul be fully expressed in the world. And some of us don't need that much input <laughs> um, intuitively, like to really share our soul expression in the world. So anyway, in my own process, so I've always been a very feeling person. I've always been someone who just like goes with what she feels is right. So I've always operated in an intuitive way. I didn't always, I didn't necessarily have the language to, to, for that, but that's what it was. And then when I started, um, going on the spiritual path and the healing path and really like really working through a lot of my own trauma, um, I, what, you know, the way I see it is like the more we are able to heal and integrate from our, our traumas, we become more in alignment with life. We become more in alignment with the divine, the force that created all things, the force that, um, that really makes the world work. Um, you know, that, that allow, that gives trees what they need to grow and blades of grass, what they need to grow, you know, that, that force that connects us all. Um, so, you know, what's I, what's happened in my journey is like, so initially I knew I had intuition for myself and I would use it for myself. And then as I continued healing and, you know, releasing more of the things that weren't really me, um, I started being able to pick up things about other people, which is how I started my, um, my intuitive coaching practice. Um, and it was through that, that I, I guess I just felt like a presence around me that I came to understand were my guides. Cause I've, I, I think, I've, I think up until that point, I had heard other intuitive practitioners talk about their guides, um, and their invisible team, which would give them information, but I didn't have a, like a lived experience of that till I started being able to <laughs> tap into other people's energy and be able to tell things about themselves that <laughs> they don't always even know, um, consciously themselves. Um, but they feel that the truth of it. So that's, it was just a, yeah, it's, it's, um, being connected to my spirit team and understanding it has also just been a, just been a process of unfolding and, and learning and, um, what, what does it ask getting, of you? What I know I'm interrupting. What does it ask of you yeah. to receive and to continue the relationship? Is it something, you know, if you're getting a little bit too, um, far away from it and need to come back? Is it a, is it a cycle of, um, mm. retreats? Is it a daily kind of I, navigational I system or? it's a daily navigational system for sure. Like, I mean, that's how I treat it. Like the moment when, you know, having done a lot of self-work, I'm, I'm now very conscious of when I'm in flow and when I'm not, and when I'm not in flow, that's really also when I really ask my, my, my team to help me out <laughs> to get me back into a state of flow. Um, but they are like, I can, yeah, they're like my counsel and I, I work with them 
daily, especially when I'm feeling unclear about something or disconnected from in a, in a sense and not able to really tap it it, to, to have clarity around things. So did it, did that remain, does that remain if you are in a kind of depression or does that go away? It, it can go away because it is a, no, it doesn't, I don't, Mm, that's really because here's the thing it's like to be able to tap into that guidance requires a sense of connection and a belief in life and in a belief in possibility um in my experience with my depression when i have experienced depression is is when i've come into a space of hopelessness um when i don't feel like there's been a way forward um and so I disconnect. And when you disconnect, you aren't able to really listen. You aren't like, you aren't really able to, um, tap in, in that way or have that level of connection because you don't believe, but that's my expression of depression. I know everyone has a different Mm -hmm. experience of it, but that's what's helped you. What's helped you come back in, um, out of hopelessness into that kind of possibility, how have you shifted? Has um, it been kind of miraculous or has it been kind of a slow Yeah, it's incremental? been kind of miraculous. In, in yeah. some ways, miraculous. Like, I mean, I think the first time was meeting that spiritual life coach and, um, and, and getting on that healing journey, which was a big catalyst. And then I think the second time, it's so funny, I actually had a trip where I was off to India and... Um, through, I think through that trip, it was just like the change of environment, being around people who loved me. And, um, and then also meeting an astrologer, a Vedic astrologer who basically looked at my chart and helped me understand my life path. Um, so I didn't, he actually said like, you're in a period where things are just not going to work and you just need to be okay with that because you're learning all the things you need to build a solid foundation so this is not a time to expect things of your, like too many, have too many big expectations of yourself. So I don't know. I think there was like a validation of my path, which, which also really helped me the second time. But the third time I think was the most interesting because it was where I actually was, was feeling suicidal, where I actually was really seriously contemplating ending my life because I, you know, it was like a de- almost an almost seven years into this conscious path. Um, obviously losing my mother was so devastating because we were very close and she was my biggest champion in the world. And um, so there was that piece, but there was also like just being tired of like, trying things and not things not working the way I thought it would and trying things and things not working the way I thought it would. But I remember coming to this point where I was actually feeling quite serious about and doing something to potentially end my life. And I, I, in that moment, I, I called my, I actually decided to call a friend who was able to help me talk me out of it which I'm grateful she did. And then I watched, um, I watched a film called, it's called X-Men. I think it was like 
the second, it's the newer version, X-Men days of future past. It's like the second installment. I love Marvel and all things superheroes. So <laughs> totally into that world. And there's a scene where, um, Xavier, he's like a super empath, basically mm-hmm. can tune into the feelings of, and thoughts of everyone. So telepathic and all that's, and just like telekinesis and all this stuff. So he's, so in this, in the scene, in this movie, he's talking to his younger self, who's having a lot of trouble feeling what, like is refusing to, has basically given up hope because he's just in so much pain. He had a devastating loss. Um, he basically lost his, like one of his best friends and, you know, it just feels like no matter what he does, he can't make the world the place that he wants it to be. And it's so painful to continue with the gifts that he has. Um, because being super empathic, you, you know, you can tune into a lot of pain as well as a lot of love. Right. So anyway, so in this moment, he says to Xavier, he's like, I don't know why I don't, there's so much pain. There's so much fear. Like, I don't know if I don't want to keep, I don't want to do this. I don't want to feel everything. I don't want to be this person. And Xavier looks at him and he's like, you know, basically the antidote to fear being hope. And for some reason in that moment, I just was like, I have that's what I'm going to choose is I'm going to choose hope. Um, because for me, my work in the world and my creativity, it's not just, it's not, it's, it's, it's me. Like I can't not do me in the world, which is why I've been so relentless on this path. I can't not live authentically. Like it's too painful for me not to live in an authentic way. Um, And in order for me to do that, that was exactly the medicine I needed was to have hope, was to have possibility and to live for that because I would rather live somewhat dangerously, but rather than, and, and be authentic to myself versus in a way safely and yet feel disconnected every day. I don't, I'm not here to live a disconnected existence. That's not, that's, I can't operate that way. It's, it's literally painful for me. Um, so, so yeah, that, 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 that movie scene and thank goodness for, for my friend and my own wiles to call my friend, um, when things were about to, what felt like to become really serious. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful story and and I also feel the depth of it given the you know that that your role of your mother's death in that experience that mm-hmm. part of your life and I'm sure still is that what is your sense of how you relate to your mother um passing at this point how do you carry that with you um it's not as it's it I still miss her I mean I do still feel at times her absence, I'm not as devastated as I was. Um, but I think the role, I'm just, yeah, it's interesting. Like, I feel like I have a lot of gifts for my mother. My mother was loved to sing. She was also very creative. She was a painter. Like she worked, her vocation was a pharmacist, but she loved to paint and to sing. Um, 
and to also write, but she didn't really have the opportunity or give really gave herself the opportunity to pursue those things in a bigger way. So I think in many ways, like my, who I'm showing up as in the world and what I'm offering to the world is, is me carrying some of her legacy um, and bringing her and almost realizing some of the things that she wasn't able to realize in her own life about who she was and what she had the capacity to create and do. Oh, it's, um, it's kind of amazing, isn't it? When we get that larger picture of, you know, we didn't necessarily start at zero. <laughs> it's just like, mm-hmm. and that no, there's something like not. you say, something continuing um, from your mother through mm-hmm. your work and through your love of, and your attention, I would say to this, that you love these different mm-hmm. forms of expression and creativity in the, um, it's really quite beautiful. What, is there, um, is there something when you look in the next couple of years, is there, do, what's your relationship to manifesting? Like, I, I know you've got mm. some things you really want to have happen in the world, but what, yeah. what right now is your vision? Are you in a moment of, I'm just, I'm really in the daily moment. I'm getting spiritual mm. guidance. I just, I, I working day to day. Is it like, oh my gosh, I'm getting kind of lots of information about something that wants to be created and that'll take several years. What's your relationship with time in the future right now, I guess is the question. Yeah. Well, um, I'm just excited for what I'm creating. It's interesting because these I've actually like, I'm just kind of coming back into the world of like (laughs) to do lists and, 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 you know, like I, I came, came out of my two week spiritual retreat because that's basically what it was. And, um, I, I'm really excited because I feel in this moment, very clear about what I'm here to bring and create. And, um, so, and I also have an openness to emergence and an openness to what else might want to happen. But in this moment, I actually feel very grounded. I feel very rooted. It feels everything I'm putting to, I'm creating and manifesting right now feels very clear. And it's kind of like a culmination, a culmination of so many of the things that I have learned and experienced over, over, over my life. So I definitely have a vision about what I see creating, what I see myself creating and, and having occur. And I'm also open for emergence and open for possibilities and pathways that I would have never dreamed of and, and imagined was what wanted to emerge. Cause I think it's important for us to have both. I think it's really important to yes, have a sense of direction, but not feeling and, and yet not attaching to a destination because who knows what the universe, like if I was so rigid to be like, no, I'm going to only do be a one-on-one intuitive coach. Like I would have never discovered the, like I would have never really allowed myself to create sound healing or to do the play thing. So I think you have to, so yeah, so I'm, yes, I have a direction and yes, I have vision and yes, I have desires, but I'm also open. Got it. I definitely hear your openness. If, if without 
going, if I challenge you to be really short about it, what's one of the okay. dreams that you have showing up for you right now? Like, oh my gosh, wouldn't this be incredible if I could what? Yeah. Yeah. My, my dream is one of my dreams is to, is to be on stage and to, and to sing for the world. Um, cause I, so I do sound healing through these tones that I create through my voice and then also I'm writing music that with transformational lyrics or lyrics to really support visionaries to bring forward their true essence into the world. Um, and that's something I really desire to, to do um, is really uplift and support people through my music and have a platform to share what comes through me as a channel. Wow. I can't wait. Um, I hope we get to, I mean, to see and to hear uh, six months, one year, um, but whatever. I, I hear the uh, openness. I hear the um, so many possibilities of what might show up uh, that are beyond that my thinking. Uh, and so I just find it exciting. Uh, it's beautiful to talk to you. I, um, if you had, is there anything that you haven't been asked much in general, like when people talk to you that you'd love to be able to talk to you about more? Is it anything about um how you experience life that would be fun to have more like what's a question you'd love to be asked Ooh, that is a great question um i mean what's coming to me is um what do you what do you truly desire to see in the world for the world mm. we're going to end with that we mm. could go to answers but I love putting the question out there what a beautiful question beautiful yeah. Um, yeah thank you it's incredible how do people get in touch with you for your current offerings are you um, putting out the divine feminine playgrounds are you putting out their sound healings what are you yeah so if you um, you can actually connect with me on my web through my website which is www.sushila.co um, or you can also follow me on Instagram which is at sushila the channel and um, those are the places where I'll be sharing more in terms of my offerings um which will yeah which uh, will be getting updated fairly soon so but those are the ways to stay connected thank you sushila thank you this was so beautiful thank you well that's today's podcast of creative at the wheel before we go i want to invite you to check out my ongoing friday online gathering the creative cure for anxious times where for 75 minutes each Friday, we follow our intuition and play with pen, paper, paint, whatever creative materials you have on hand as a way of coming back into alignment with life and the moment. It's very healing and a whole lot of fun. You can also learn more about my one-on-one -on -one coaching with creatives, both on my website, paintbiglivebig.com. 